0: Hey everybody, welcome to Domina Ava After Dark. Here we go. So we're at the end of October. Yeah, Scorpio season. Yeah. Um, and uh, October also being within the BDSM community. Locktober. You've not covered this before it's too late. Why don't we? So in this episode, we will be talking about October and CBT in general, um, and also how it relates to a variation of other fetishes. A lot of fetishes go hand in hand, Um, and I think we'll take a little bit of a journey on different fetishes, like more weird fetishes. I'm planning to do that. So have a seat or do whatever you need to do to give your attention to me and enjoy. Here we go. CBT, what is it? Well, it can stand for cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a progressive way of uh, helping somebody get over trauma. It's become more and more popular amongst therapists throughout the world. But that's not what this is about. (laughs) This is another type of therapy (laughs) or trauma. But it is a therapy even though it can be hidden under the guise of trauma when it's done correctly um, and what I mean by that is CBT, cock and ball torture. Typically in a session when I bring that up to a newbie, which I see a lot of newbies because more and more and more people are interested in what it is that I do. And thank goodness to that. Because, you know, I think that it's very liberating. And uh, we have talked about that in previous episodes. So cock and ball torture can be anything from, you know, just lightly pressing on somebody's nuts or dick or grabbing the nuts or dick and pulling them down and just squeezing you know, something really light, um, or it can be something pretty severe. Um, and by severe, what I mean is everybody's different. Some people like a good swift cane, good swift whip to the dick or to the nuts. Um, there's all different variations of this fetish. Uh, it is very important for us to go over safety. Because everything has to be safe, sane, and consensual. Otherwise, it's illegal. So this is very important, that we are safe, sane, and consensual. That's um, an old school saying. I mean, it goes back decades and decades to old school doms and dungeons. Um, I think there's an... um, another saying expression nowadays, but I I can't recall what it is right now. Um, So let's talk about some safeties uh, and why we do it. Uh, Let's talk about why we do it first, actually. Uh, Why cock and ball torture? Well, it provides an adrenaline rush. That's for certain. Um, Most females out there, because all your goodies are packaged on the outside of your body, um, being as vulnerable as you are, uh, all those nerve endings, all that stuff is placed on the outside, just all messy-like, right? As women, we have almost the same bits in our own way, but they're all tucked in all nice. It's the reverse. So that's why the female body looks all nice. You guys have all this stuff just hanging out in between your legs <laughs> <laughs> to enjoy. Um, so, uh, and, you know, someone such as myself ever since, you know, I was quite young and, uh, you know, maybe grade two. I find it rather fun to kick guys there. And uh, I've always been a brat. It was that little girl in the school playground who would kick guys in the nuts. If they didn't, if they weren't nice to me and then I'd run away and laugh. Um, So some things never change and uh, looks like that's one of them because I'm still doing that. (laughs) Uh, So, but there's a safe way of doing it, believe it or not. Um, You never want to kick a hard dick unless the person consents to it, says, yes, I want you to kick my hard dick. Absolutely, and they have to be aware of the implications that stand because the implications are quite vast, including this little thing called Peyronie's disease. Like, you know, there's an Italian beer, it's called Peronis. Every time I hear someone order it, I think of a crooked dick. That's what Peronis is. So typically, peronies is incurred, uh, to the best of my knowledge, when a person is quite young. Uh, they sustain a trauma to their phallus to their penis, and it causes a curvature, permanent bent. Now, depending on how bent a person's penis is, this can be very uh, detrimental when it comes to their sex life, when it comes to uh, getting off, when it comes to a lot of things. Um, we want to make sure that that does not happen. I'm, the cure to this isn't, it, it isn't pretty either. Uh, the cure to a crooked dick requires um many treatments of injections into the penis over a long period of time in order to help straighten the penis uh because there' you know there's some soft tissue damage in there um, that requires a little assistance in straightening out so We want to make sure that that does not happen. That's for sure. Uh, So safety is of the utmost of concern when doing CBT. It may not look to it look like it, maybe to an outsider who maybe has seen um, certain scenes that I have done. But uh, trust me when I say that everything has to be consensual, and uh, we go over that um, before a session. Go over what we're gonna do, what hard limits are. This is absolutely fundamental that a dominatrix goes over what hard limits are uh of their client before she delves in. So uh within the realms of cock and ball torture, there is oh gosh, there is a lot aside from the ones I just mentioned. Um, so everybody is different. Every single person is different. So if a person comes to me and asks for CBT, I ask them a variation of questions. Do they, like, uh, do they like to be kicked in the nuts? Do they like to be kicked in the penis? Do they like both? Do they like their penis to be squished and not their nuts? Or their nuts to be squished and not their penis? Or um, do they like sounding? So we're going to go into what all of this looks like right now. Um, and how these people get their needs met by way of, by way of cock and ball torture. So some people, um, they really like, you know, um, blunt force, like like just a hard swift kick to the penis or the nuts and get this real surge of adrenaline, like I said, throughout your veins, and uh, cortisol and epinephrine, dopamine, serotonin, all of that stuff. get a real rush. You get a real high from it. Um, some people like whips or a cane, which is a cane is basically like think of a cane or think of it like a bamboo stick. Uh, that's what a cane is in BDSM form, but it doesn't have to be bamboo. It can be made out of acrylic or plastic or something that has a little bit of give Um, has a nice, it sounds real nice when it's in the air, just a, like a whoosh sound when it cuts through air. Oh, those are fun. Mm. So there's some people like, uh, you know, just maybe a knee on their phallus to like squish into a chair or a rolling pin, you know, used to roll out dough. I like that. I really, really like doing that rolling a penis out. I think that's a lot of fun. Um, so those terms of, uh, engagement or out usually at the beginning of a session, if someone's feeling adventurous and they want to try certain things, you know, we start slowly and we move it up from there. Um, there's, uh, there's some forms of uh, CBT that are quite advanced um, that, you know, I want to, I want to give advisory that not any, not anyone can do these things um, such as sounding. What is sounding? Well, sounding is when you take, um, think of uh, just a long steel, stainless steel, um, like tube that's um, it's not a tube, just, uh, almost like a wire that is rounded and softened on each end, and it has to be sterile. There's things called sounding kits, and, um, these long stainless steel sterilized objects are used to slide, not push, slide within their urethral uh, cavity. So, penis opening, there is where the urine comes out. There's your urethra and sounder goes in on the bottom. You don't want to push it in. If it won't go in, then it won't go in. These objects are, they have weight to them And they will go in on their own when someone's laying on their back. And you put a sounder within the bottom part of the urethra. Um, If there's any blood or there's any stoppage, that person should go get checked out. That's for sure. And at no point, again, do you want to force a sounder in the urethra ever. It should be lubed. It should be sterilized. If you push too far, too down deep, you could puncture things like the bladder, and then you're all fucked. You don't want to do that. That's really important, okay? This is not something to be done uh, by just anyone. This is something that should be done by a professional. This could go horribly wrong, obviously, so... Sounding is one of those things that um, there should be lessons given on, um, and only only a trained professional should do this. This is not something that you want to play with uh, on your own by yourself. And also, it should be noted that after sounding takes place, one must go pee, because our urine is sterile, and it will help re-sterilize the urethra. So that's really important um, that that happens. Uh, under the umbrella of CBT, moving on, and we touched on this initially, it's October, and before October ends, I want to cover this and what it means. So basically, Locktober is about chastity. What is chastity if you're a newbie? Chastity... Um, is a device that locks away a penis and basically what it means is you're giving yourself over to whomever you decide to give the keys to uh it's a real form of devotion and um it's very seductive in nature for many reasons including the fact that uh somebody locked away in a chastity they're not able to get hard or come without permission, and that's really truly giving away your power. I mean, really, it is. There's something so seductive about that uh, that you have no control, that somebody else controls whether you touch your own penis, whether you come, whether you get hard. And uh, the fact that that's the case, you can't help but think about your mistress or me in that ca- in this case. So it's also a form of mind control. It's a form of devotion um, to me. And uh, I get to own you. It's, it's, it's pretty cool because you men don't make rational decisions because of your penises, do you? Sometimes you do certain things that uh, you'll have immediate post-net clarity about, right? Well, this takes that power away from you. You have no choice. And that's perfect because then maybe you operate better. Maybe you conduct yourself in a better way. I mean, we take out the whole option to jerk off and guess what? That frees up a lot of your day or a lot of your week or month, depending on where you sit on the spectrum with regards to getting off. That's pretty cool. Uh, a lot of fetishes go hand in hand with each other. Um, CBT uh, and uh, being locked up, uh, you know, that's under the umbrella somewhat of cock and ball torture for obvious reasons, having your dick locked up. it's a form of torture. Uh, and what does a chastity typically look like in case you haven't Googled it or you're not already aware? It's a device that, uh, you know, is based, it's basically like typically there's all different forms, but typically, um, uh, it's a ring that's, you know, opens up and is based around your nutsack and your dick. There's uh, some prongs, Um, This is like the really simplistic version of a chastity. Um, There's uh, some sort of uh, method where the ring that goes around your, like anchors around your dick and your balls. And then there's a part that you attach to lock your penis within. And uh, there's, there's a contraption so you can put a padlock on it and make sure that dick is all locked away and secure and anchored to your nutsack. Um, there's still a way that you can come even while locked in chastity. I've seen it a few times. It's really, really fucking cool. Really fucking cool. Um, but typically it means that you haven't come in a long time and, uh, I'll have somebody still locked up and if I peg them, mm, they still might come. I'm going to take this opportunity to uh, indicate that this is an adult education show. This is not safe for your workplace. <laughs> if you're listening to this show at your workplace, you might get in big trouble. So this, this is an adult educational show about the world of the DSM. Okay, so under the umbrella of CBT and Ah, what it means. We have already touched on, let's just go over what we've touched on. We have touched on October and chastity. We have touched on the fact that it's an adrenaline rush, why people do it, different forms of CBT, right? Including torture to your dick, or to your balls, or to both. Uh, we have talked about sounding. Uh, we have talked about... And and we're gonna actually now get into the fetish of castration and other, different. And by different, I mean, in most people's, even in fetishists' uh, minds, uh, these are more rare, uh, typically. So we're gonna get into some more. We're gonna get into some rare fetishes, but we're gonna start with castration, um, which actually happens to be like more common than you would be inclined to think uh, under the umbrella of CBT. So castration fetish, I like to, even if it's not requested, I think it's a fetish that I will, well, first off, I would never, ever, ever, ever do. I get requests for it. Uh, believe it or not, I've had emails from people paying me, wanting to pay me unseen, untold amounts of money to actually do what a medical doctor is typically not able to do. And, uh, The answer is a resounding no. Absolutely no, no. End of end of story. No excuses. Nothing. I I don't even need to back my no up by anything. There's absolutely no way, in, ever, that I will entertain somebody's real request for castration. However, 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 I like to talk about it. Is there something kind of cool about it? To talk about it. You know, sometimes I'll have somebody locked up and maybe gagged, maybe even blindfolded, and I'll grab one of their nuts and I'll say, I'll whisper in their ear, You don't need both of these, right? You don't need both of these. Why don't we just pop one? Why don't we just pop one and just watch them squirm or watch their eyes get really big? I think that's kind of cute. Uh, yeah, I quite enjoy that and so i I play around with those kinds of things. I have an, uh, an array of equipment that helps me with this fantasy ball squishers uh you know I like um of a wooden uh, a wooden plank and then um an acrylic plank little plank that I can screw into one another and place the penis or balls in between and Proceed to flatten out the phallus or the balls uh, if a person so wishes to endeavor into this. And that's really fun. Also, sometimes use like a rolling pin, uh, you know, a rolling pin to bake things. I think that's fun to uh, put the dick on a table and roll it out and maybe roll over the nuts too, like speed bumps. Um that looks kind of cool. Yeah. Uh I enjoy that. Oh, excuse me. I'm a little tired. Uh, so within the umbrella of these fetishes lies some alternative fetishes that may not be obvious including the ignore fetish. The ignore fetish falls sometimes and is closely related to locking somebody's dick up. Uh, That's cool. That's cool. Uh, There's something fantastic about being ignored. I have been... Whether a person's aware of it or not, a lot of my slaves, there's something about this that is so common, much more common than people are willing to even be aware of Uh, if a person is into being furniture for instance they're into the ignore fetish if a person's into um, you know being in chastity there's an ignore fetish element to that where uh, you're suffering and you have to request my attention in order to Touch yourself in order to uh get off there's an element of ignore fetish there um, ignore fetish is very 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 prevalent within uh, the un- under the umbrella of financial domination otherwise known as fin dom not fem dom fem dom is female domination fin dom f i n d o m um, it's financial domination, which is a fetish for people who want to give their money to a dominatrix. And ultimately what it is, is it's uh, giving over your power, saying, I'm not even worthy of your time. Take my money and just ignore me. It's the ultimate sacrifice because we work so hard for our money. To just give your money without wanting anything in return is it's a form of true devotion. It really is. There's a psychological aspect to that that is so seductive and sexy, and I understand why it's a big deal. Um, but uh, yeah, within, within the realms of ignore fetish uh, lies a lot of these other fetishes, like I said, including chastity and uh, other different fetishes uh, within the realms of CBT cum eating fetish. Um, A lot of people may come to me and they, not a lot, but actually, very few, actually, let me correct that, come to me and they request to eat their own cum. (laughs) It's actually kind of natural to want to test your own ejaculation. I think everybody should. I really do. I think everybody should try it. Everybody should try it because y'all should know what the heck you taste like if women are sucking your dicks, right? And uh, if your sludge you tastes something funky, uh, you might want to change your diet because it's true that your diet is going to affect what your ejaculation is like. Now I know this from research because I personally don't suck dick <clears throat> um, or or swallow cum. <clears throat> But um, I make people do that if they want it. Um, it's forced by and that sort of thing. Um, I see a lot of couples, absolutely. But on a personal, I just don't do it. So back to what your splooge tastes like. If you're eating a diet that's rich in, um, That's heavy on the red meat, or you're smoking, or drinking alcohol, uh, not drinking water... Your splooge is going to be rancid. Yuck. Yuck. Uh yuck to splooge in the first place. But um but for you guys to know, and I think every again, I think everybody should taste their own cum to know what women who suck dicks and taste cum have to put up with. Uh so that's where also come eating fetish. If you want to eat your own cum, is is probably a good idea. So what typically happens is if a guy's if a guy is allowed to come in session in the first place, um, it typically if he asks for to eat his own cum, like say off my shoe or off the floor, most men will request it. But as soon as they come, uh, they'll back up. They will definitely um, change their mind. So that's why I have certain things in place to make them. Make sure that they don't change their mind. Like this move, for instance. Oh, my God. I had someone do this last week. It was so funny. Oh, so funny. He, uh, He has a little trick. I had him. Just imagine you're on your back. And try to get your butt as close to the wall as possible. Walk your feet up the wall. And your butt up the wall so that just the top of your back is on the floor or on the bed. So you're walking your feet up, 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 up. You're walking your butt up, up the wall. And so you are in a position to receive your own load on your face. Either it's going to end up in your eye or in your mouth or in your nose or in your hair uh, when you come and that way, somebody who asks to or requests to eat their own cum, they will not back out. They have no choice. And god damn it, it's funny. Oh, it's so funny. Uh, so <laughs> if you're curious about what your own funky cum tastes like and you think you might back out, well, there's a little trick for you guys to do that. Uh, so the come eating fetish is rare indeed. Other um, different fetishes. Um, let's see. I think that should be it for different fetishes with under the umbrella of CBT. I'm sure there's some more. But right now, I think that was so chocked full of information. I think we can end right there. Um, I don't want to overwhelm you guys. And also, I I want to keep informing you on different content in the future. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. This is Domina Ava After Dark. And I hope everybody enjoys their Halloween. If you have any questions for me or suggestions on topics or how to make my podcast better, I'm all ears. I'm all ears. You can contact me. My contact information is all over the web. So you can go to my website, dominaavasavage.com or email me at dominaavasavage.com. At gmail.com. Or simply just Google my name. I have a new Instagram up. I was taken down for the fourth time. So if you're looking for my new Instagram. It's under Domina Ava Savage 1. Like the number one. Um, If you're curious. And yeah. I think that does it for today. Thanks for joining me everybody. And uh, happy Halloween. All you weirdos, isn't it fun? Yes, and if you're out there and you're not too sure about Halloween, let's say you're underground sissy and no one knows, get your ass out there. This is the perfect excuse to dress up under the umbrella of being a sissy and really set yourself free by way of doing it because Ah, why not? Um, why not dress up any way you want? It's Halloween, bitches. Okay, we out. Thanks for joining me. Until next time, bye. Hey here we are everybody another friday night welcome to domina after dark with domina ava savage what's up y'all how's everybody doing so we're here and we're rolling and my podcast seems to have been catching a fire which i of course enjoy immensely so thank you to everybody who listens. I appreciate each and every one of you. Today's episode is on wrestling. Yay! Here we go. So wrestling is part of my flavor as a dominatrix. Uh, I teach other baby doms on the, the ropes and what BDSM is. And part of what I do is I help them to develop whatever their flavor is. So what makes me or anyone else different, right? There's many other dominatrixes out there. And what makes them unique um, is whatever is special and whatever has you pulled to them. So if you're listening to me, may be said that maybe you like my style and part of my style is wrestling it's part of my flavor i part of the flavor in your ear right now anyhow um and so that means i dominate with my mind and with my body and with equipment so i've said it before i'll say it again i'm the trifecta it's pretty, pretty cool because there's doms out there who just dominate with equipment and not so much with their mind. Um, I'm a bit of a cerebral assassin, right? So I like to dominate with my mind for sure, uh, with equipment and with my body. Um, so I was actually watching um, a TV show that came out on Netflix last night called Killer Sally. And typically I don't watch those, uh, when, like, I think they're really big within the, you know, I think women typically like these uh, docuseries that are on, um, that are thriller and within the context of, uh, you know, salt, mystery, murder sort of stuff. I don't watch that type of stuff at all, like at all. Um, if you look at my Netflix shows that I've watched, it's—I don't watch the stuff most women watch at all. Um, however, this docu series grabbed me, and the reason why it grabbed me is because it's a documentary about a woman who started her bodybuilding career, and she uh, married a bodybuilder, and they both won—I uh, think they made it to the Olympia, like Mister Miss Olympia. Of finals, I think, um I didn't get too deep in. I think I'm on like episode two or three, but um there are two bodybuilders who who uh, you know they were trying to make it to the top, and uh, sh- the woman, Sally, she ended up supporting her husband and her two kids uh financially in order to help him sustain himself um, to be a professional bodybuilder. It's no easy feat. There's so much sacrifice when you're competing in fitness competitions that most humans are not aware of. And especially in the 80s and 90s, uh, you didn't make almost any money, even now, unless you make it to the very, very top. Then you get endorsements, but... Um, their sacrifices by way of uh everything. I mean everything. Uh most of those bodybuilders you see on Instagram, they're not making a whole lot of money. I think Instagram sort of helped, especially since COVID helped people who are really into the fitness industry uh start to make dividends. But prior to that, I mean, I'm telling you, if you were a bodybuilder, um <laughs> You're, you're pretty much out on your own unless you make it to the very, very top and you sacrifice everything for it. Your, your diet is regimented. Your schedule is exactly regimented. Uh, your sleep patterns, your workout routine, everything. I mean, it, it, to be a professional bodybuilder, you've got to be somewhat of a control freak and you've got to sacrifice almost everything. So, this woman, Sally, uh, in this documentary, Killer Sally, she and her husband were bodybuilding. um, However, she ended up making most of the money um, by way of wrestling men. Um, It became a big deal, bigger deal than it ever was in the late 90s and, or sorry, early, sorry, late 80s, early 90s, to for women uh, to to dominate men by way of their body. It was a real underground movement, and uh, one of the mainstream websites that existed then still exists now, uh, WB40, I think it is. Um, It's a bodybuilding website uh, where people can go and find uh, women who will wrestle them and submit them. And that was so taboo back then. Um but yeah, there was a lot of money to be made in it back then and there still is a lot of money to be made in it now. We'll get into the nitty-gritty of why that is shortly. Um but I highly recommend this documentary. I found it fascinating you get like a little peek into the world of female wrestling and the fetish side of it. Um, as well as a whole lot of other stuff while watching this documentary. Um, but that was sort of the like birth of, of this, the fetish side of female wrestling. Um, one of the takeaways I found that was kind of cute and by cute, I mean, not cute. I mean, silly. um, was some of these big bodybuilder guys who were deeply embedded into the world of bodybuilding and running the system. The way that they talked about female bodybuilders, I found to be somewhat hilarious. They talked down upon it. Um, And maybe that is their taste, but hey, everybody has their flavor. Some people like strong women and some people like strong men and don't think that strong women should exist, whatever have you. Um, So why do people like the fetish of female domination by wrestling? Well, it's because the brain is so antiquated, so archaic, our brain is so old school actually kind of doesn't know the difference between uh, I've said this in a previous podcast, running from a (laughs) tiger and getting turned on. Uh, Essentially, our brains are just barbaric, really. And so, uh, when you're nervous and scared, there's something that is really exciting that happens and you get this dopamine surge, this adrenaline surge that happens. I mean... Some of you who have, some of you may have experienced a fear boner. Um, maybe you didn't quite understand what that was, uh, but there's there's something that happens to the mind when you're sort of scared. And when I wrap my legs around somebody's neck, let me tell you, if they're not scared, then by the time I start squeezing, they're scared. Uh, I can definitely squeeze something that is mmm nearly unparalleled. I have been known to be a savage. What can I say? I've worked with companies such as Scissor Foxes um, in their premier website that does quite well within the realms of scissoring. Scissor foxes, yeah. And so, when I say scissoring, for all you newbies who are listening to my podcast who might not understand what that is, that's when a lady wraps her legs around a man's neck or body, it could be anywhere, anywhere. It could be around arms or legs and squeezes, squeezes real tight when it's around the neck. Um, and it's done well, it can cause somebody to pass out. That's not normally done. It's not done often. Some people ask for that. It is a fetish, but it's not done all of the time. Um, when you do get knocked out, however, oh boy. It's a high for at least a couple hours, let me tell you. Get a real high. Um, so, I, there's a whole lot of holds aside from scissor holds that also do this. Um, there are Triangle holds. If you don't know what these are, I encourage you to look them up. And triangle holds is when a woman wraps her leg around, in my case, a man's neck, um, and uses the the bend part, like where the knee is, and to put the neck in between, and then locks it in by way of the other leg. Uh, and pulls back. I don't know if that's a great description for you, but I encourage you to look it up if you don't quite know what that is. So, yeah, this is all part of my flavor. I immensely enjoy dominating in all three facets. I mean, I'm a small woman, I'm only five foot three and a half and 122 pounds but I've taken down men who are over 300 pounds because when you are a trained and skilled martial artist size doesn't always matter entirely technique does that being said I will not allow for a man to come at me full force that's That's not what I do. Uh, I work in the field of domination. And so if you come to me, you come to me wanting to submit. Uh, And that's a privilege, right? So in this world, punishment is a reward. It's, It's not the other way around. And being dominated is reward. It's opposite world. That's what it is, it's the opposite world. So if I get a submissive who acts silly uh, in a way that is not palatable and not becoming for me as a dominatrix, a submissive who is applying to be my submissive, quote unquote, but um, acting in a way that I don't deem fit Well, what happens is you get ignored, not rewarded by a way of punishment. That's not not what we're doing here. Punishment is a reward. Now, if you get ignored, for most people, that's a punishment in the context of BDSM. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit about safe in the context of wrestling so if there is a dom such as myself or other ones who do well within the context of wrestling well we should each including myself know a little bit about cpr it's probably pretty important right so If we're going to knock somebody out, we better, well, know how to resuscitate. So that might be one of the questions. If you are, if you have a fetish for uh, being knocked out or for wrestling, it's important maybe to ask your dom whether she knows how to resuscitate. Because we are playing with you and in ways that, no one else probably ever will. I myself have CPR training. I'm well versed in how to resuscitate somebody. I think that's pretty important stuff. So what else do we want to talk about? Let's talk about some sessions. How about that? I'm just powering through this tonight. Oh my goodness. Um, I'm you'll have to excuse me. I've had a cold, a really, really bad one actually for the last week and I've been down for the count. So um, I feel like my mind is not working at full throttle and uh, yes, for good reason. There's some nasty ass colds going on right now. So that's why I haven't been sessioning. That's why I haven't been active online or anything. I've been The mistress, Domina Ava Savage, has been down for the count and uh, not booking anyone for good reason. So I'm on the mend. I'm doing better. But uh, you'll have to excuse the sniffles anyhow. Um, So back to the subject at hand. Um, Some sessions. Oh boy, where should I go with this? Oh... There's been some tremendous sessions that I've had. I've sessioned from with anyone from like neurosurgeons who've wanted to get knocked out to uh you name it, to three hundred and fifty pound men, truck drivers and, and paramedics and oh God, all over the map um, plumbers, you name it. I see every different ethnicity. I see virgins. I see people who have, men who have had so much pussy, they're so sick of it, and they need to feel denied and rejected just to stir something new up inside of them. And back to virgins, I think part of the draw for them is they come to me because they know that they're safe because what I offer is not sex. So I have seen everything. And as a professional dominatrix, I have met the most incredible, most wonderful people I've ever met I mean it's just been so fucking fun I can't even tell you um so with regards to specific wrestling sessions oh there's one where the guy was local and um I wrestled him and he was a very experienced olympic wrestler wrestled him with another girlfriend. Boy, that was fun. Uh, but because he was so experienced, he ended up taking us down. I mean, we had to give it our all. Holy cow, did we have to give it our all. Um, I don't know if we got him to submit um, To the best my recollection, I think we did a couple times. Um, but it was like two of us on him. And that's a testament to skill set versus power and and yeah I mean if you have technique I mean you're set within the business you really really are and that's one of the magical things about jiu-jitsu and wrestling itself is that you can be a smaller opponent and you can still stand a chance right um but um some of the outstanding other sessions that I've had. Let's see. Out of all the years that uh, I've been doing this, I would say I've only been able to manage to knock one person out by way of suffocation of my bum. Um, there's something that happens within the mind when you're being suffocated where It's instinctual, you want to move, you want to cut out, and you you can't help it, you just can't help it. Um, So many people ask for knockout by way of face it, and I've never had anyone, aside from one person, be able to do this. That was really, really cool, really cool. Um, typically the way that I knock people out is by reverse rear naked choke I find that I get a really good grip on somebody that way and I'm able to get my little arms on the sides of their neck and um, get, them, get them real good there Um, Scissor hold, I can do that quite well. And according to Scissor Foxes, they say I'm one of the best. They say that I have some of the top knockouts by way of scissoring on the neck. So I'll take that and run with it. That's pretty cool. Scissorfoxes.com has definitely catapulted me into the stratosphere of wrestling within the fetish world. Same with um, another website called SessionGirls.com. I think they're fantastic. They have women on there that are beastly and women on there that are dainty. They have women on there that may not qualify as a fitness model per se on mainstream avenues but there's a flavor for that there's a flavor for all of it and i like that session girls gives that avenue to women and to men to be presented that way um one of the girls, or the girl who runs it, actually, her and I have a similar background. Um, we were both in the WWE, and we both crossed ways um, in on the Magazine Avenue in the early 2000s as well. And we both have been very successful in our own right, and she started... Uh, the session girl site and I'm so proud of her so I think it's great I think that there's a flavor for everything and you know what one person finds to be yummy another person may not I mean there's plenty of men out there who find extremely muscular women extremely attractive and up until late, there was very few places that you men could find this. Um, I've always been a very fit woman, and twenty years ago, it was very rare for my body type to be as prevalent as it is. I've got a very round booty. I've always been very, very muscular, and that wasn't something that was globally received as much as it is now. There's been whole movement on fitness, especially within the past three years since COVID it made it more mainstream, which is really, really cool. Um, so I'm thankful for that. Uh, what else should we cover? I think that should do it for today. So I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Thanks for joining me. My name is Domina Ava Savage. And this is Domina Ava After Dark. If you don't follow me already, I'm on Instagram under Domina Ava Savage 1. It's my fourth new account I was taking down after... Uh, hitting fourteen thousand, and uh, yeah, that was the fourth time. So, if you don't already follow me, follow me now. I'm also on Twitter under Dominant Ava Savage. I'm not as active on Twitter, and I'm on OnlyFans, and yeah, I'm all over. Just Google me; I'm there. So, um, thanks for joining me, and if you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything at all feel free to contact me. Uh, My website is dominaavasavage.com and ways to contact me are listed there. Okay, enjoy your night, everybody. We out. Peace.